Hi everyone and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast with our wonderful partners Najahi Events who are epic at bringing events here to the UAE. They've just recently launched the Najahi Tribe so if you're in the place where you want to learn, you want to grow, particularly as you're sitting at home right now with coronavirus, get onto the Najahi Tribe website, go and download some courses, learn new skills so you can apply yourself as everything changes here in the UAE and around the world. Now, on today's episode of the podcast, oh my God, I'm excited about this one. Do you want to know how to become a celebrity? No, nobody wants that. What about having an awesome, incredible, record-breaking radio show? Today on the show, we have the epic Chris Fade. Welcome, Chris. Yeah, oh, good to, good to be here. Good first time. I've, I've seen it. I've heard about it. Now it's good to be here. Thank you so much for coming. I wanted to give people a bit of a background on you because there's so much to say about you. Okay, I know you came here in 2007. You recently celebrated your 40th birthday. I envy that because I'm 50 next month. Okay, you've developed a great business here with Fade Fit Kids. I'm going to learn all about that with you today. You know, you're a guy that got into the radio scene a long time ago, but you're also a musician as well. And I want to dive into that and learn a bit about your musical history. Um, I saw you recently on uh, Instagram playing the guitar as well. So definitely in your blood and your soul somewhere. You, you began your career down at is it Edge 96.1 and the, that journey that you had from the beginning, getting in those cars, doing the promotional stuff. What a fantastic start you had. And look at where you've got today. It's just a wonderful journey, a great story about Dubai, you know, about someone that came here and made it in Dubai. Um, please, 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 let's just dive in, okay, and find out a bit more about you. I don't even know where to start. So I'm going to start, okay, right back when you were a kid. Now, you're this guy that shaved his beard off the other day that looks a very, very different person to the person he is sitting down back with it on again. When you were younger, okay, I saw lots of pictures of you with dreads when you were younger and stuff like that. Have you, as a, as a kid, were you an image person? Were you someone that liked, you know, wearing the fancy clothes as a young teenager, or was that something that what you weren't into? Oh, man, I, I don't want to. No, I never, never worn really fancy clothes or anything like that. I think I just wear what I like. Like even growing up as a kid, like mum and dad would make sure that we were dressed well. I remember that, but you know, I think I just. I didn't care. I think there was a point where, I mean, I cared about how I looked, I guess, and what I wore, but I don't know. Like my image wasn't everything. I still, like, even now, man, like going into my wardrobe right now, you, most of my wardrobe's from, uh, it's from Target. Like I don't care what it is. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't care if it's for a brand or whatever. If it looks good, I'll wear it. You know, if it fits well, I'll buy it. You know, I think, I think, I don't know. Shaving the beard and doing all that sort of stuff. As you get older, I feel like you try to fit into what you're supposed to wear. Like, oh, I'm supposed to wear jeans and a t-shirt with a lot of beads on my my wrist now because I'm an entrepreneur, or I'm supposed to wear these type of shoes. Like, I just feel like I just roll with whatever I roll with. And you know, looking back in some of the years, my, my style was shocking, but. It is what it is, man. I just want to be able to have fun and, and have fun doing it. Tell me, were you a good kid? Did you have a troubled childhood? Were you, uh, were you uh, one of the, the kind of the kids at school that was the, I don't know, the gang leader or the, you know, the, the motivating lad or the team captain? Or were you the, the popular kid? Where did you fit in? I had a great upbringing, really blessed with a, a really good family, very close Lebanese family as well, in a, growing up in Australia. Um, you know, mum and dad, two older sisters, a younger brother. We really were inseparable. A good medium, you know, medium family. Like, you know, we, we weren't poor, we weren't rich. We were, you know, right in the middle and we had everything that we wanted. We went to a good couple of schools. I wasn't, uh, my mum will tell you that I was probably the best kid, or I still am, all right? Um, I wasn't, at school, growing up in Australia, the school that I went to, it was really multicultural, very segregated. The Greeks, hung around together, the Chinese hung around together, the Lebanese, the, the Aussies, the Australians, the Italians. I found myself at a young age, I was actually, I wasn't part of any of them. Even though I was Lebanese, I was really just that 
guy that would go to every group and I, I was accepted, which was, which was unusual, I guess, just because I don't know, like I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to say that I was just supposed to be with the Lebanese guys. You know what I mean? I grew up as, and as, a, as an Australian, but I felt like we're all the same. And so I, I, at school, I, I want to go back there. And when I think about it, I feel like I had a lot of mates. Um, I want to hope that I was, I wasn't like the funny guy. I wasn't the, the star. I was just another guy at school, but I was, I was likable. I'd like to think that I was likable. I had a lot of mates in different sort of areas, you know? So going through school, being that kind of guy, tell me about how you got on. Did you do really well in your exams? Were you average in your, in your delivery? What, what happened? I wasn't good at school, man. Like I, I just, it wasn't that I wasn't, putting in the effort. I just felt like I was putting in the effort, but it wasn't the grades weren't meeting what I was putting in. Um, Mum and dad hate it when I say like, Oh, I'm just not smart, but I don't think I'm, I, I don't think I'm school smart. I, I'm, I, I do find it difficult to open up a maths textbook and start reading about algorithms and percentages and, and doing all that. Like it wasn't for me, same with physics and chemistry. It just, Put me, put me in social studies, put me into sports, I'm acing it, you know, but I didn't do too well. And at the end of year 12, which is the final year in, in Australia, out of 100, I got 39.9. I still remember it. Not, not a grade that, that really gave me enough to get into college, to get into university. So, you know, when I finished school, it was disappointing. Mum and dad weren't happy. You know, they wanted me to repeat the last grade again. And I fought, I fought against that. And I went into TAFE, which is like a sort of, it's, it's under university when you can't get into university, you go to a local college. And I chose, I, my uncle was in marketing. So I thought to myself, there was a topic and a diploma, which was Asia Pacific marketing. And I thought, well, that sounds good. Asia Pacific marketing. It just sounds like it's good. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and so it was, it was a two year course, which, I paid for and I learned, I learned a lot, but I think I learned more about myself. I was only 18 at the time and I met a really good group of friends who I'm still friends with now, which is really cool. But I just learned, it was my independence. I was still living at home, but it was the first time that I was sort of driving myself to places. I was doing, it was my own life. I was, I was learning about who, who I was. And amongst working at TAFE, I was, now working in cafes, I was making coffees uh, and, and working in local cafes just to get money, right? And after those two years were up, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I still wasn't sure if I wanted to be in marketing. So I spent a good couple of years making coffees and washing cars. I was, I was, I was the dryer. I used to dry cars at a, at a washing bay for, you know, between washing cars, selling clothes and, and making coffees. I did that for a good two years. And, Again, I was in a relationship at that time with a girl and she, you know, I, I, I think she just didn't, the expectations weren't there. And I, for many people, I think my parents were like, what, what are you doing with your life? We didn't send you to school to, to wash cars and, and make coffees. But again, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Eventually, I got into a sales role where I was selling music, background music that you hear at stores or in elevators, like elevator music, basically. And I started doing sales. and. I had the gift of the gab, I could talk. So I didn't do too poorly. I was doing actually fairly well. And eventually my boss at the time said to me, I don't think this job's for you. you. You need to be doing something else. And it wasn't because I wasn't good at it. She just said, I don't want to see you stuck in an office. And, and, I, and I really appreciate those words back then because I don't think she was saying it to get rid of me. I think she just saw that my potential was somewhere else. And at that time, the local radio station was looking for uh, people to drive their promotional vehicle around, right? And she said, I think you should apply for it. So I applied and I had to send through a video of how determined I was to get this job. Anyway, I got through from, you know, the hundred applicants that they got, I got through to the top five and we had to work for this radio station for, uh, for we had to work for this radio station for a couple of weeks for free. And they made us do some ridiculous challenges. Uh, really, really uh, looking back on it, just really crazy stuff, which I thought, I don't think I'd do right now. Standing at the bikini, a set of lights, wiping people's windshields as they were at a red light, you know, or being half 
half naked at a at a petrol station, a ghetto at a ghetto train station, sorry, whilst getting people to stick biscuits on my body to see how they just wanted to see how how much I wanted this job, right? And um, I didn't get the job after after the whole thing. I didn't get it. I came second, but the way things worked. Uh, about a month later, they said that the person that they gave the job to just didn't work out. Would you like it? And so I took it. And then that was my step into radio. I was now driving a promotional car around Sydney four to five days a week, uh, giving away free stuff. And I would be crossing back to the radio. My name was Street Kid Habib at the time. And uh, that's what I did. And, that, and, I, and I did that for three and a half years off and on. So when the, when the work would stop, in the radio side, driving a promotional vehicle around, I would go back to making coffees or I'd go back to selling cars. I was living on my own. I was around 22, 23 years old. And, um, you know, that was life for me. And I look back on it, some of the best years of my life, probably earning around $200 a week, right? My rent, I remember at the time, was 160 bucks a week of this studio apartment in, in King's Cross in Sydney. I'd have 20 bucks for, for petrol and the other 20 bucks I think I used to I used to be a smoker back then. Ten bucks would go on cigarettes, and then I just had ten dollars to play with for a week, and it and it got me by. I'd go back to mum and dad's to eat when I felt like I needed to eat, and um, I did that life for a while. And then it realized then I realized that around the age of twenty three that I like radio, and I used to go up to level three where all the presenters were, and I used to see what they were doing, and I thought, man, this this looks so cool. So I started hanging out with the presenters and, and, and some of them are really cool enough to show me the way. And, you know, I would just shadow them. I just sit in the studio whilst they were doing their thing and taking notes and start to learn how to really do, do radio. And that was my first real step. So I, I would do that. I would drive the promotional vehicle around and I would learn how to do radio. And then eventually about the age of 24, one of the program directors, the bosses there, you know, he said to me, you want to go on the radio? I said, sure. He had heard some of the demos that I was putting together over the, the year of practicing. And he gave me my first gig. And that was my first real taste of radio. So I stopped driving the promotional vehicle around. And I think I was now earning 270 bucks a, a week, right? I got, I think, 70 bucks more to be on the radio. And so I was, I was doing that now full time. And at the same time, a buddy of mine, we opened up a cleaning company. So we were cleaning offices at night. So I'd have my hand down a toilet, cleaning, cleaning toilets, like, like literally hand down a toilet. And then during the day, I'd go be on the radio. And uh, I lived that life for a good couple of years until, you know, I moved to Dubai. Wow, that's just fantastic. Do, do, the, Les Brown was here in town a little while ago and he got his job on the radio too. And he told me the story about how he got his job. And he, he went to the radio station each day and introduced himself to the guy that ran the radio station. And the guy's like, no, we don't have any jobs here. And he went back the next day, he said, I'm here, have you got any jobs? He went, you came yesterday, we've got no jobs. And he, then he went back the third day, he said, yeah. He goes, I just wondered, maybe somebody died or something. Anyway, they said, go and make us a coffee. And he worked in the background, you know, in, in the producing mixing room, whatever you call it. And he worked in that place for a couple of years. And then one day, one of the DJs on a Saturday afternoon was drinking. He got drunk on the show. And so, so the, the producer called him, called Les and said, Les, phone up every DJ on the station and find out if someone can substitute him. And Les said, I didn't call anyone. I just sat there for 20 minutes and I called back the boss and I'm like, there's no one available. And he goes, okay, he goes, well, do you know how to use the turntables? He's like, yeah, yeah, I can give it a go. And he put the turntables on. He said, don't say a word. I don't want to hear your voice at all. <laughs> so he puts the song on, some Stevie Wonder song. As he puts it on, he literally goes into speaking. He said, and that's how I started on the radio. And so when I hear stories like yours and like, and like Les's, it's just like, this is fantastic, you know, hands down toilets and then spinning the, de spinning the decks on the day. Yeah, man, it's, it's all, it, I mean, listen, persistence is what it's all about, man. And, you know, I, I, even before I got the on-air gig, the old boss that was working there, he told me, he goes, I'm never going to put you on the radio, mate. Like, I still remember those words. He said, I'm never going to put you on the radio. So, you know, if you, if you think you're going to get on the radio, you won't not hear with me. And then he gets fired about four months after he, after he said that to me. And the new boss that came in, legend, I still, still talk to him to this day. He was a, sort of a mentor to me. Um, he's, he's the one that said to me, 
you want to go on the radio, gave me the job of what the old guy was doing because the, the old boss used to have a radio. He used to be on the radio. He used to do three hours on air and then he used to be the boss on the outside. So he gave me his three-hour geek, which I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is great. Like, you know, the guy that told me that he's never going to put me on the radio, I'm now doing radio and it's his old show. What time of the day was it? Uh, the first one was, well, the first, the way that I first started was pre-record. You, you did me dawns, which was midnight to 5 a.m. That's that, that overnight. But you would pre-record a lot of that. You'd go live for a couple of hours and pre-record it. Um, but my first slot was four till seven, which is the drive show, which is a pretty big show. And, you know, the edge 96.1, the station that I was working off in Sydney, it was a bit of a, um, it was like sort of a hip hop radio station. It was really cool. Like it wasn't the biggest station with all the money. It was like the station that didn't have a lot of the cash, but it had street cred. And, um, man, once I got into radio and just doing it, I fell in love with it. Like it was like, so I did that for four years. Uh, I worked on that radio station for four years in Sydney and just learned the art of radio, like learned the right ways to do it. Had really good mentors and people. The important thing with radio is you want to learn. There are a lot of schools to go to for radio and I'm not saying that they're not right. I even went to one for two, for two months just to learn a few little things. But the best way you get experience is on the job and just having the right people around you. After four years of doing that there, I was ready to move. None of the big metro stations would take me. Um, not sure why, you know, till this day, you know, I, I knew that I needed to make a move. Even my boss at the time was like, yo, yo, you've done sort of everything you've done here. What do you want to do next? And he, he knew the CEO of Virgin Radio International, Virgin Radio, obviously under, under Branson, under Virgin's umbrella. And the CEO is an Australian guy based out of Australia, runs, you know, 20 to 25 radio stations across the world uh, under Virgin. And um, an amazing guy called Ian Grace. And he, um, my old boss got me in a meeting and said, you know, he said, we're opening up a radio station in Dubai or Kuala Lumpur. Uh, we, I like your stuff. Which one would you like to go for? And I knew that Dubai wasn't much about Dubai 12 years ago on, on the internet. And uh, I just knew that I wanted to try something different. Dubai was four or five hours away from Lebanon. I thought, why not get the Middle East back in, maybe learn some more Arabic. And um, I decided to take that job. So I had to trial out for it still. I still remember sitting down at his office and uh, I had a T-shirt that said, I've got Dubai written all over me. And I had that on me like a hundred times. I've got Dubai. And I remember sitting down with Ian doing the interview. And at the end, I remember unzipping it. I said, I just want to show you this. He liked that. And then he said, listen, we're kicking off a radio station in about nine months. So um, be prepared. You've got the job and we're, you know, we'll, let, we'll, we'll keep you posted. And yeah, man, nine months went by. I was still working on radio in Sydney and I was just counting into the days until I got the word to move to Dubai. So packed up my bags, had about, I think I had about $10,000 in my pocket. Uh, sorry, no, less. 10,000 dirhams in my pocket. And that money came from, I had just got married at the time. So it was a bit of wedding gifts that everyone sort of, everyone knew that I was traveling. So they gave me some cash. So me and the, uh, the, the wife, my ex-wife now, jumped on a plane and uh, flew out here to Dubai. I didn't know anyone. 10,000 Ds in my pocket. And the first thing I realized is I had to pay a full year's rent up front, which was going to cost me about 90,000 dirhams. I was like, I don't have that money. Like, I thought I made the biggest mistake of my life. So then I had to borrow that from the company. And then I had to pay that back through my salary. Like, it was, it was crazy, man. But... I loved every moment of it. And then, yeah, that was it. The year, I think it was November 2007 that I began my year here in Dubai, my life in Dubai. And then when we consider where you started in Dubai and where you've come and how much success you've had on the radio, it truly has been uh, a phenomenal journey to, to see, really, you, you're, you're the name. If there's any name in this city, you're the name in radio, aren't you? I mean, I know Tom and other people as well, you know, and Brandy and all this kind of stuff. I know other people out there, but... Chris Fade, everyone knows Chris Fade, everyone knows the radio station, everyone knows when you're on, everyone knows that. And that's, that's a brand essentially that you've built. Did you, did you build it intentionally or did you build it a lot of it in the beginning just, just by accident? I think I had a vision, I had an aim of what I wanted to do. Like I had an aim, I knew that I, I moved and I left my family. I was very close to my family. I knew that 
if I'm going to come and move my whole life to another country, I want to make it worthwhile. I'm not going to come out here just to get by, pay the bills. There's no point. I'll go back to Sydney and do that. So I knew that I had an image or I had an image in my head that I wanted. Um, I didn't, I didn't know where it would end up. I didn't know it was going to end up to where, to the caliber that I, that, that it's at right now. Um, but I knew that I wanted it and I worked really, really hard. So, you know, I came here to set up a radio station. It wasn't, Virgin Radio wasn't here. My means was to set up the radio station with the other new members of the team. And so, you know, those first, the first five years of Dubai, I worked like, I mean, I mean, I work really hard now, but I, and I get, I get the value of it when it comes to money. You know, what I'm putting in, what I, what I put in now is what I'm getting back at the same time. But those, those first five years in Dubai, I was working so hard, not for a lot of cash. You know, it was more wanting to build the structure, build the base for something that I knew that it could grow into. And I think that's, that's the hardest thing. And that's, that's the thing that a lot of people don't get is putting in the years of just crap to build the future. And, you know, I was doing, I was doing 8 a.m. To, to 9 p.m. days in the office every day. I was on air and doing jobs off air at the same time, balancing it. And, uh, you know, that, that was the hardest times. And they, when I look back at that, I thought to myself, whoa, they, they were hard, man. Now my work, I love, like my work's fun. I'm out at events. I'm meeting my fans. I'm doing radio shows. I'm, I'm having fun. You know, this is what, and again, I get paid to do that now, you know, and, and, and what, a, what a life that I have right now that I'm so blessed and grateful to have, you know, but those early years from driving a radio promotion car around to then coming here and, you know, not earning a lot of cash to, to do what I was doing, grateful and blessed right now. Can you imagine, ever imagine not having radio in your life? Oh, man. I mean, I, I could imagine it because I've got all my mates that don't do radio and I see how they live. I wouldn't want to do it though. You know, working, working that nine to, nine to five gig that everyone else does, the office jobs, getting in, getting out. My, I, I reckon I'm borderline ADHD. I don't think like my mind could do that. I, my mind thinks in, in, it, it, doesn't, it, it works a little bit differently and I've got to, I've got to keep going. I've got to always be on the go. I can't just be sitting at a desk. Man, I don't own a computer. Like I don't physically own a computer. I do everything on my phone. I've got my manager and my assistant that do all that other stuff. Like if you see me on a computer right now, you know, the other day my, my fiance saw me working on a computer and she's like, I've never seen this. <laughs> I, I, I just want to grab my phone. I work on WhatsApp. I love WhatsApp. I do business on WhatsApp. It's instant. It's now. It's let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So radio is like that. Radio is let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, it's live. What have we got next? Come on, let's do it. You know, I do TV as well. I work with OSN. I do the Oscars. I've had a couple of shows here and there. TV's amazing, but it's not radio. TV's still structured. It's all right, let's get that next shot. Okay, come in now. It's radio is live. It's when it's 9.01 in the morning, it's 9.01 and I'm talking to everyone, you know? Like, it's, I don't know what's going to happen next sometimes when I'm with Pretty and Rossi on Virgin. Like, that's, that's the joy. That's the, you know, I've been doing radio for more than 15 years now and it's still every time I turn that microphone on, there's that little bit of, I don't know what it is. It's not nervousness, but there's something there like, we're live on radio. It's that's, you know, that whole aspect of being live. I mean, I'm not in anywhere the same league as you, but I go live every Sunday night when I have a show that I go live on Facebook, Instagram and whatnot. And people say to me, you know, you know with coronavirus, you're going to record stuff, you're going to release a video. I'm like, no, no, no. I said, my favourite thing to do is to go live on Sunday night because I have to bring all my energy, all my focus, okay? I'm literally, everything's coming at you. I mean, I, I'm exhausted when I finish it, you know? But I, lo I love that kind of like being under pressure. I also like the way that being live means that, guess what? If you make a mistake, you've just got to get on with it, you know? If something goes wrong, you just have to crack on. 100% being... That, that's the fun thing about live. Like one, one of the reasons why our show is so successful is the dynamics that I have with Pretty and with Rossi and the realness that we have. Like if we do make a mistake, we talk about the mistake. Sometimes we talk about it too much. Like if something happens, you know, being real and spontaneous is what it's all about. So 
for anyone who's a content creator or creating content right now on social media and who goes live on their Instagram and only has three people watching, keep going, man. Like that's the fun part about it. Like just you're learning as you go, like going live on radio every single day. We're blessed. I got 1.2 million people that listen to us every single week. Like it's, and, and, and it's every nationality, it's every religion and it's every age group. We're number one from all ages. And like, for me, I'm like, I pinch myself sometimes that when I turn that little red button, it goes up. And one thing that we're grateful for is to never, never like be complacent, always be respectful about what you do. I know for a fact, a hundred thousand people would want to be in my chair right now doing a radio show to that many people and getting paid good money for it, you know? So you've always got to make sure that you're grateful for what you're doing and be, be, be just, yeah, appreciative of where we are right now. But yeah, live radio, man, always going to be in me. Like no matter what, like, you know, let's say this company that I'm created, you know, sells for however, how much one day, or it starts making me X amount of dollars every single month or year. And I don't have to do radio anymore. I'm still going to do it. I'll still want to do it, you know, and, and, that, and, and, that, and that's, that's, that would be the most amazing feeling doing radio just because I want to do radio, not because I need the money to do radio. Mega, mega. Tell me, you've met some, some pretty inspirational people on your journey. You've uh, bumped into a few superstars out there and obviously Will Smith was there at your proposal, which was one of the coolest things to consume on online that I think I've ever seen. That was very, very beautiful, very romantic. And, and obviously he was very kind to help you out. Who have you met that, you, you know, when you finish talking to them, you come away from it and you're like, holy mother of God, that person inspired me or that person, you know, he, he got me, he hit me. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right there with, with Will Smith. He, I've had the opportunity of hanging out with Will Smith a couple of times now. And yeah, he helped me with my, with my proposal. But him off camera, like, he inspired me to be a better person, man. Like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed enough to have a lot of fans and followers here in the UAE. And so when I go to the malls or when I'm walking down the street or whatever, people want to stop and have photos with me. And I'm always for it. Like, I'm always... I always want to take it. I've never said no to a photo, right? But then I just watch Will Smith, who's at a caliber 400 times more than I'll ever be, right? And I see how he was interacting with people from the outside. And I just, it made me think that I've got to be better at what I'm doing here in the UAE. Here's Will Smith, one of the biggest, most iconic humans that, you know, in a hundred years, I'll still be talking about Will Smith and just to see how graceful and, and, and amazing he is. Even with my proposal, like off camera, him, him coming up to me, you know, he's like in my ear telling me, yo, you cool? Like, you really want to do this? Like, I don't want this to be something that you're doing for publicity or like, you're really ready to take this leap and, and marry this girl. And I said, yeah, man. I said, I'm really like, this is like, he's, he's doing that. Like, He's really having this conversation with me about it. And then after the proposal, he's still sitting there giving me advice, you know, and I'm like, this guy's so cool, man. Like, again, like the bigger the, the, bigger the stars, the cooler they are. I've, I've, had, a, I've had some time, which you, you would know Gary Vee. Yeah, and, Gary. Um, you know, like he's just, he, again, another guy, just legendary, a guy that has created his own wealth, his own knowledge, and now his own platform. And, you know, he literally tells me, if you need any business advice, Chris, you contact me whenever you want. And I do that sometimes. Like, you know, I have the ability of being able to reach out to the likes of that guy, Gary, to be able to say, yo, I'm thinking about doing this. And he, and he gives you, and, and you'll know this, I, I, I will take any, I'm a leech. I will take what I can from someone if they're offering it. When I know that there are men or women out there who have done what I'm trying to do and they've learned from it, I want to take their knowledge and I'll take a little bit from here, a little bit from there and a little bit from here. And in my, in my, my expertise of what I do on radio, I'm blessed to be able to meet some amazing people, man. Like I spent two days in the Maldives with the, the founder, the creator of Netflix, man. Like there there I am sitting with the man having dinner with him, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, 
Mark, Mark Rudolph. I'm like, what, what, what do I, what do I want to ask him? And I'm asking him all the questions. Did you know Netflix was going to be what it was today? Hearing him just say stuff like, no, did not realize how big it was going to be. Like it gives you, it inspires you because we all have dreams and we all have these ambitions that we want to achieve and being able to see it from people who have already done it, you know, like is amazing. For me, the rock is, the rock is my, is my, is my savior. He's the guy that I look up to. I, I, I love his work ethic. I love his story. I love everything about his movies, how he trains at the gym, his, his, his collaborations with brands like Under Armour. So I got to interview him briefly with Kevin Hart. And, you know, this was in Paris a couple of months back before the, 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 the virus. And again, I love to watch these guys when they're not in front of the camera. And I was sitting on a couch and, and The Rock was probably 10 feet away from me, just talking to his staff. And I was just watching him interact with his staff. And, and again, that's where I gain the most out of a lot of these artists, how they are, you know, how they are. And just seeing the way that he was talking, he was in charge, but he was also taking notes. He, as in people were giving him information that he was acknowledging and giving back. And then when the cameras are on, he was on again. And it was like, this guy is amazing. You know, one, one woman, especially who I respect a lot who, and who I know somewhat personally is Paris Hilton. And people talk about Paris Hilton like, oh my gosh, Paris Hilton. And Paris Hilton is one of the smartest business people in the world, man. This woman has created a multi-million, billion-dollar empire. Her perfumes are selling like, like nothing else. I was in a hotel room with her once with, with Pretty and Rusty just before we're doing an interview. And there she is packing up her suitcases, moving them out of the way for us. Like as we walked in, she's like, oh, let me move my heels. And she's moving her heels around. And then, you know, do you guys want a drink? What do you want? Like it's the side that people don't see of these celebrities, that they're just, they're real. And the reason why they're so successful and some of them are worth 40, 50, 60, $100 million is because they are willing to do things that no one else will want to do. And, and that's the difference between success and people who are just doing what, you know, what they, what they want to do. You know, it's what, how much effort do you want to put in? Because the more effort you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. You, did, 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 did these meet people and this journey of meeting these people along the way, did they inspire you to want to become an entrepreneur? I mean, Gary's such a great example of that. And, and before I go any further, big shout out to Maha as well, because she's an awesome lady too. But um, uh, Gary, Gary certainly inspired, Tony Robbins inspired me in the very beginning of the journey. I know Grant really well and Grant's been a lot of help to me, just like you. I listen to people and, um, and, and Gary too, you know, Gary can say enough in five minutes that other people might take an hour to say and it just it, it drills into your brain there, doesn't it? It's just going in and you're taking it on board. But did these people that you met along the way inspire you to want to be a businessman and entrepreneur as well? Because you built a really great brand with paid fit kids. And so where did that start and how did that come about? Yeah, you listen, you, when, you, when you meet people who are just doing so well, of course you want to elevate yourself to try to get to that certain level. And I think that's what's really important. They always tell, try to surround yourself with good people. It's so true. Surround yourself with good people. You know, surround yourself with people who you want to be like. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to say goodbye to your, your OGs, your day ones, your originals, who, who, who just want to be an accountant. Being an accountant is an amazing job. Being a plumber is an amazing job. Being a call serv a service like in a, at a call center, it's amazing. They are, you are still achieving. You are still doing a job. And we need, and everyone, that's what makes this world run. But if you want to do something that is probably going to make you more money or give you a better long-term end game, my, my thing is about ending, like, I'm always thinking of the future. And I know it will never happen, but my, my, my future is, when can I put the handbrake up and do absolutely nothing and know that I'm good? And I want to hit that moment, but I'm still not going to stop. And I know that because when you look at people like Grant Cardone, you look at people like Gary V, Will Smith, all, these guys don't have to work. These, they don't have to do anything. They can literally sit and do absolutely nothing and their kids and their kids' kids will still be all right. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's the need, it's the want of wanting to keep going. And, and, and I love that. And I want that. And a lot of people sometimes tell me, Chris, you're doing too much. Why don't you slow down? I think you're pushing yourself. I'm not. 
I'm not. I'm, I'm just doing, I'm just at another level, right? I'm at another level. And, and that's not saying that your level is not good. You can stay at that level. That's cool. And that level is great. But I'm at this level, right? And I want to keep, I want to keep going. And I hope to go to a higher level to keep doing it. So meeting these people, man, you know it. You spend five minutes with Gary Vee. You want to set up another hundred companies. You want to keep going. You, you've got a bunch of ideas, you know, and, and, and that's, that's John, I don't know if you know John Lee. Do you know John? Yeah, I know John really well, yeah. John's a legend, right? Like, so John's another guy who I was on a Zoom call like this, you know, just last week because I had a few questions I wanted to ask him about something to do with digital and my online business. Man, I just, 45 minutes with John at the end of it, I'm like, all right, well, let's go. Here we go. And I'm calling up my guys going, I want this done. I want this done. Hey, let's do that. Why don't we try this? And it's just amazing. Like, it's so important to surround yourself with people that motivate you, you know, because that's at the end of it is what's going to keep pushing you forward. Oh, man. Amen to all of that, for sure. I, want to, I know we've not got much time left. I really want to just talk about this business that you've got because I, I want to learn how you got into it and um, what prompted you to do it and where you're at right now and where's it going. Okay. So I created a brand called Faith Fit. Underneath Faith Fit General, there's Faith Fit Kids and Faith Fit uh, Energy Snacks, right? Um, the way that I came up with it was one of my good friends, Mustafa Koita, who's a, a milk guy. Yeah, I know Mustafa. He, you know, he, he used to pay me to promote the milk, right? And, uh, and, and it was then that him and I became mates. And he said to me, and, and it clicked with me. It's like, I'm, he was building this for his kids. He wanted to leave a legacy for his children. And that made me think, I want to leave a legacy for my children. And then I started thinking about things that I wanted to do. And I, and I lost a lot of weight, mate. One of the biggest things that I, I've achieved in the last sort of six years was I, I lost about 30 kilos of weight. I went from being a fairly unhealthy guy to a big fatty, you know, from a big fatty boomba really to, to the guy that I am right now. And I'm not the fittest guy in the world, but I'm fit and I train every single day. So I went from 128 kilos and the lightest that I went to was about 93. I'm now sitting at 97 kilos. So my health journey really reflected on, on, on what I do right now. Um, Fade Fit began because whenever I used to go to the gym, I used to just hashtag Fade Fit. It was for me. And then I realized other people were doing it. I, I went to the hashtag one day and there was like plus 500 hashtags of Fade Fit. I'm like, I didn't do all this. And it was other people going to the gym, just, you know, as they were doing the gym, they were saying Fade Fit. They were on the journey with me. And I love that. So then I used to go and get snacks and buy healthy food. I had to buy healthy food because I'm now fit. And I found out that healthy snacks were pretty expensive. And then I, I thought, oh, I want to buy some healthy snacks for my kids. I've got two daughters and um, they were also expensive. I was doing, you know, 70 bucks a week or 200 dirhams a week on healthy snacks for my kids. And I said, that's, that's, that's too much. And they were like, that was only one a day. Like it was just not worth it. So I thought to myself, what can I do here? Maybe I can help open up healthy, you know, produce healthy snacks for kids. So I got on the radio and I, and I talked about it on my show. Mothers and parents and the kids were like, yes, we find it. Either I've got to buy something really unhealthy and sugary filled with artificial flavors or colors, which is really cheap. I get it. Or if I want a healthier option, I've got to spend <clears throat> for my kids' snacks anywhere between 4 to $5 for a snack. You know, 12 dirhams, 13 dirhams for one snack. So teamed up with a couple of good people. Uh, in it, it was, it's all my investment, but surrounding myself with contacts that I had was introduced from one people to another person, and I kicked off Faith Fix Kids, which is a snack company right now. We started off with one snack. We now have uh, three kids snacks, one kid multivitamin, sugar-free multivitamin kids, and we have now four adult snacks or all ages energy snacks. And um, we're doing really, really well. We've we've expanded in two years. You know, I speak to other guys who are in FM, like FMCG, like who are in the, the food manufacturing, and they tell me, they say, where you are right now in two years is where we were five years in or six years in. And I love hearing that because I'm doing this for the first time. And I, and I get frustrated sometimes. I get frustrated with why aren't we in this shop and why haven't this deal gone through and why are we out of stock here? And, what? and then they come and tell me, they're like, Chris, this is what it's about. This is what our business is. It's never, ever going to be 
You're never going to be covered in all stores or you're never going to not be out of stock. This is what our business is. And they keep telling me that I'm having good problems. Good problems <laughs> mean that our supply is not meeting with our demand. And I'm like, because I get frustrated. These are sales. Why aren't we selling? We get the supplies in. They're like, you're just moving at a faster rate than expected. It's a good problem. So we're right now producing Faith Fit. We're a, we're a healthy snack company. Um, we're affordable. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in our four, 500 outlets across the UAE. Uh, we're selling in all the big guys like Zoom and Carrefour and online and Amazon and Kimpsons. And we've got some huge deals happening as well, um, which I've signed, which I can't mention right now. And the coronavirus has put a handbrake on it. So, but there's some really, really cool stuff. And do you, do, you enjoy, do you enjoy it, Chris? Do you really enjoy that part of the business? Is that something you get a lot of, a lot of satisfaction from? Yeah, man, I do. I love doing it. I love doing it. Again, I've surrounded myself with a really good amount of people. So, you know, my fiance, Brianna, she's the brand manager of it. She's my eyes and ears to the business because I can't be there 24 seven because I work on radio. My job is radio and, and doing what I do. So, um, I've got, I've got, I employ a team of, uh, a team of people who are my eyes and ears and they do the, the day-to-day runnings of it. I then have an agency called Imagine who also run the day-to-days for me and they've got the experience. They deal with this. They've been dealing with this for the last 20 years, right? So they've got the experience. And then uh, I've teamed up with, a, with an amazing uh, distributor called ESF and an amazing manufacturer called B&B. So what's really important for anyone that's wanting to do something like this is to surround yourself with knowledge. Knowledge is power. Don't go into it blindfolded, you know? And I know that I'm, I've got the luxuries of being Chris Fade and, and having doors open. I get that. But you can still also surround yourself with people who have done it before. Remember, people who have been there and done it before, it's, gonna, it's a lot easier. And so I'm grateful to surround myself. But I love it, mate. I've got a, I've got a Shopify account on my phone, mate. I'm looking at it. How many sales have we done? Yes. You know, like, why have we done this? Like, it's like playing a game now, man. Like, when I walk into Zoom and I see my products, just, we're we're right there now. Once this coronavirus opens up and we're all back on the streets, wait till you see where we're at at Carrefour and where we're at at Zoom. Like, we've done some amazing deals. And for me, I'm like, whoa, we're we're, we're up against these multi-billion dollar companies. My snacks, little Faith Fit kids with me and my daughters. One's the general manager and one's the financial controller. Like, we're this little startup company two years in Dubai who I know for a fact that the big boys are aware of us. And they're like, hey, hold on a second. What's going on here? Who are these guys taking a percentage of our, of our business, right? And I'm all about just not about the money. I'm about wanting to promote a healthier option and more affordable for, for everyone. That's all I want. I want to be able to give people the opportunity to be healthy. Health is wealth, guys. And that's the most important thing. Right now, this coronavirus, if that's not enough of a, a, a click in the brain to say, I better get healthy here. Because this virus, as we've known, is, 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 is killing the elderly and pre, pre-existing conditions, diabetes, being overweight, respiratory problems. This all comes, a lot of it, from just not being healthy, right? And that's the thing, that be healthy. Every day of my life, I do at least 45 minutes to an hour. And we've all got the time because I've got no time and I'm fitting it in. And if it's not for your health, it's for your mind. I keep saying it's for your mind, for your mental health. So right now, I don't care if you don't buy my snacks. I don't care if you don't get my multivitamins, but just start to get on that health train. And if you're not doing it now, is the time to do it. I've got my mates who smoke, who, who are worried about getting the coronavirus. And I said to them, you're worried about getting the coronavirus. Fair enough. But you're smoking. You're also killing yourself. So why don't you use that coronavirus and the smoking, unite it, quit the smoking. I can't, Chris. I can't. You can. I smoked for 15 years. I've been smoke-free for nine. Hard thing to do. Totally hard. But you can do it. You can do anything you set your mind to. Absolutely. Chris, it's 12.30. We're 45 minutes in. I could sit and talk to you for the next two hours. I've got about another 30 questions to ask you. So we'll have to catch this up another time because I know you've got to head into another meeting. I'm so... Let's go another 10. Let's go another 10. If you're cool with it, I can go another 10. Oh, magic. Perfect. Excellent stuff. All right. So 
let's just talk about living this healthy lifestyle. You were you were overweight when you were younger. Okay, you you struggled, but losing thirty kilos is a lot of weight to lose. This is not a little amount of weight. How long did it take you to lose that weight? And where were you psychologically when you were ready to take the action to go on that journey of weight loss? Okay, so I wasn't I wasn't overweight when I was young. I was fit, man. When I from the age of ten to about sixteen, I was one of the. I used to win all the swimming championships cross country athletics i was fit right and then at the age of 16 i put on that puppy fat you know where you stop growing but you keep eating right so i got overweight but by the age of 20 i shot up again i had a low i had a late growth growth spurt so from the age of 20 to 28 i was i was fine i was lean actually fairly skinny um it was when i moved to dubai um i moved to dubai and and within the first year, I was okay. It was probably year two that I just started. I was working so much and I was just eating. I was just eating. And uh, I thought... You were eating crap. Horrible, horrible, mate. I was just, I was eating anything you could imagine. I, I didn't know what calories were. I was just eating, man. And I think I went through a lot of anxiety. I went through a lot of anxiety in, in, in a period where I just kept eating. The anxiety was just, I don't know where it came from. I think it might have been an accumulation of like moving to a new country on my own or with, with my ex at the time, getting, having a baby within, like I went from being single, living in a studio apartment with absolutely no responsibility, literally a year later, living in a foreign country with a girl that I had just met, pregnant, not earning too much cash, all on my own. And I think all that together just clicked off something called anxiety, which I had never, ever experienced in my life. Didn't even know what the word was, right? So I think I used to just eat my, my, my anxiety in. And I just kept eating. And by the time I knew it, I was 20, I would have been about 20, yeah, 29, 29, 30 years old. And I was 128 kilos, bro. And I was, I didn't know how fat I was. And if anyone wants to go, you can just Google Chris Fade fat or Chris Fade something. You'll, you'll find nasty photos of me, right? Um, and I just knew something had to change. Now, out of, out, of, out of a negative, always find a positive. And so when I went through my divorce, it was the trigger that, that, that went, bing, I need to get fit. I need to get fit for myself. I need to get fit because I've got to get back on the market and find another woman one day. <laughs> there were so many factors to wanting to do it. And so that was it for me. Uh, that was the moment that it would have been, I think I was around 32 years old. I was just coming out of the divorce and I was 33 and I said, that's it. I spent days and nights at the gym. I put all my anxiety and my frustration and all that crap into the gym. And I was doing amazing workouts. I was training in the morning, training in the night, not for too long, like 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, and I started to eat really healthy. I went from probably eating four or 5,000 calories a day, and I went down to eating 1,700 calories a day. I got a meal plan, okay, so I, ordered, I got a meal plan, I didn't know what company it was, but I ordered a meal plan, 1,700 calories a day, and I stuck to that for one year, and I mean strict. It was a boring life, but I dropped weight like no other. I used to take dinners to me to restaurants and put my own meal plan into it, and eat right because I couldn't eat any of the other food. I had one day off, so training twice a day on 1,700 calories a day, I dropped 20 kilos easily. The first 10 dropped off in the first couple of months. You know, the first 10 drop off like that, right? The next 10 took about a year, all right? And then probably the last six or seven took about another eight or nine months, right? And I've now put on six or seven kilos since the moments when I was like jacked, I was ripped. I, I felt like a machine. But now I've got that balance where I've gone, I'm not gonna have a six pack and I'm, and I'm fine with that. I'm gonna hold a little bit of weight around my gut. I'm okay with that. I'm 40 now, I'm healthy. I do at least 45 minutes of cardio a day and I lift weights. I feel good. So when I go outside and I put my clothes on, guess what, you feel good. Because when you're overweight, you're depressed, you're anxious, you don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to see anyone. You don't want to go out. You don't want to take photos. You don't want to do any of that. So that health journey really clicked. And, and once you find that health, man, you know, 
it's infectious. If I miss my five minute, if I miss the 10 minute workout, I get angry. I get the whole day, I'm like, oh, I've missed my workout. Yeah, so, absolutely. I'm watching the a lot of people get, you know, they go and see a doctor and the doctor says one more cigarette and you're going to get cancer. And it enables people to give up smoking instantly uh, where they've tried for years and years to do it. A lot of people um, carry extra weight and then the doctor says, look, any more of this and you're going to get diabetes. And that is yeah. the trigger a lot of the time for someone. If it's not diabetes, it's some other health related issue. You, you decided when you were getting divorced that you needed to lose some weight. Was there, was there any intervention was there a consultation was there a doctor that said to you you need to be careful here or a medical professional or a personal trainer was someone telling you to be worried or did it all come from you no i think it all came from me man i just knew that anxiety came when i was at the gym after the gym my anxiety would be at least it would it would lower my anxiety levels so much and it would last for like two or three four or five hours sometimes and then you'd feel the anxiety come back so i'd go do another workout and it would just bring it back down so I think that was it. I mean, yeah, going to see doctors. Doctors would tell you, hey, mate, you're in the obese category. But, you know, at that stage, I'm in my early 30s. I don't think about anything like that. I was like, yeah, I'll be fine, whatever. It's not till later on. It's not till now. that There's positions like now where I, I guarantee there'd be people sitting there with diabetes or people sitting there who are overweight or smoking that are like now with this virus going, I've got to watch out. You know, you shouldn't have to wait for something like this. One of the big, one of the big things and the big triggers is having kids. If you don't have kids, you may not understand it. But once you start to have kids, you want to look after yourself even more because you want to. You've got a you've got a responsibility for your children to be around for them. What's the point of having children if you're going to die when they're ten years old? You know what I mean? Like you want to you want to make sure that you're there and you're doing everything right and you want to enjoy life. Who wants to spend their life sick in and out of hospitals, being on pills every second day? You know what I mean? Like who wants to spend that life when there's an option? Just because you're a lazy, just because you want to be lazy. Or you want to eat the bad food every day? Like, come on, have a little bit of, uh, have a little bit of, I don't know, respect for yourself. You know, have, have that. Think, think this behavior of you losing weight, then setting up fade fit kids is setting a great example to those little princesses that you've got there. And uh, are you enjoying being a good example? Hundred <clears throat> percent, man. Like, you know, they see how hard Daddy works, and they see me being at the gym every day. They, you know, I make sure they do their workouts as well. You know, within this journey, I, I actually partnered, I co-own a company called Enhanced Fitness, right? Um, again, it was an opportunity that came up where the company, we're, we're personal trainers. We're like the Uber of personal trainers. We bring personal trainers to you. We train you in your house. We train you in your garden, at your office. Um, now with Corona, we train you through this. We do, you know, we're, we're doing four to 500 sessions a week just through Zoom right now with our trainers, right? And you know, the opportunity came up with this company where, 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 where they had just set up and they were asking me to be a part of it. And I thought to myself, man, I definitely want to be a part of this because it, I know it's going to help people. And, and like Fade Fit, we're a community. We're creating a community of healthy individuals who want to look after themselves, who want to better themselves, but who don't want to spend, have to spend a fortune doing it. And so with Enhance, we're bringing personal trainers at a, a lot more affordable price. So... You know, at six o'clock tonight, I'll do a live Zoom session with Enhanced. The kids are going to be joining me. I'm going to go live on my Instagram as well and promote that. You know, I just think being being that model, not only for my kids, but, you know, I'm gracefully, I've got a lot of followers here in this country that follow me. And, and you know, what I do, they like to do as well. So, you know, I want to make sure that I've, I'm doing my social responsibility of, of making sure that, you know, the guy that they're following or that their kids are following is putting out the right example and the good message. Okay, last couple of questions, because I know we haven't got any much time left. Last couple of questions. I'm a young guy, I'm 18 years old, I'm 16 years old. I'm in that phrase where I'm looking and I'm like, do you know what, I'd love to be a DJ. I would love to host the radio show, but I don't know where to start. Now, back going back when I was a kid, a lot of these people that were in that, that, that industry started on what we call hospital radio in the UK. And so they, they worked on hospital radio and they worked their way up into, into uh, in, the, in England, it was county radio. And then from county radio, they got onto to the bigger stations if they did at all. That was the step by step. Sometimes you'd have to study journalism or you'd have to study, um, do media studies and stuff like that at school to give yourself an opportunity to get there. But what steps would you do? You've got a big audience of young people out there that I'm sure look at you and think, I'd like to do that one day. What advice would you give those types of people, those kids? 
All right, now, if you're 18 years old, you've got something that we didn't have, and that was social media. So the first thing that I would be doing is I'd be doing a radio show every single day on Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat. I don't care. Get a microphone. It doesn't cost a lot now. You've got the technology to be able to do it. I can broadcast in other countries to across the, the UAE, right? So go and just start. Start doing it. And if you don't know what you're going to do, get on YouTube. There are tutorials on how to be a radio presenter like this. You can watch radio. I, most of my radio show is on YouTube or on Facebook. You can just emulate. You can just, you really start to just see how people do it. That's step number one. Once you get a little confident and you understand what to do, um, there are two ways. You can go to a school of journalism and get it done that way. Is that the right way to do it? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe for you it is. For Pretty Malik, my co-host it was, that's how she got into it. She went to journalism school, right? Um, you don't go to the number one radio station in the country. Don't come to Virgin Radio without any experience and go, hi, I want to be a radio presenter. Do you think you could do it? My friends tell me I've got a good voice. I get that every single day on Instagram. Hey, Chris, my friends tell me I've got a good voice and I think I've got it. I mean, listen, we, we are the biggest radio station in the country, all right? Like, we're not just going to find someone and say, hey, come in, you're on the radio. It doesn't happen. But what can happen is a few things. Internships are amazing. And throughout the years, we do take people. Phone guy, Eddie, who is on my show right now, who is an on-air presenter, and he's also the producer, one of the producers of my show, he started off like that. He came to me and said, hey, Chris, he was, he was negotiating with Somali pirates at the time. That was his job. He was negotiating with Somali pirates. No joke. And it was stressful, but he listened to us every day. He was a listener of the show, and he just loved it. Called me up. He had a great voice. I said, you know what? I'm looking for someone to do a movie review. Do a movie review for me. He did it. Didn't do it great. But guess what? We, we connected. He showed charisma he showed passion he basically came and worked for us for six months for free he was just wanting to be around now he's a full-time employer of arn virgin radio like and i've got three or four stories like that three or four stories just within virgin of people working either on virgin or on other radio stations now just from wanting to do that now getting an internship's not easy so if you don't get that go look at all the other radio stations no matter where you live and go to the, go, don't go to the big ones, go to the smaller ones first. Because guess what? You don't want to go on radio without any experience, especially on the big ones. A, they won't let you. And B, you don't want to go on there sounding horrible. So go to the smaller ones and learn how to do radio. And then you get a demo. Then you start pushing it forward. Then you start emailing the bosses, emailing other presenters. I get, I've probably got 10 to 15 radio presenters across the world who send me their audio every single week. And they just want me to give them advice. And I give it to them. Right? I give it to them. And I've still got people who I send some of my audio to and say, hey, what do you think about this? Got anything for me? Yeah. So it's just, it's just that. Get on it. The first thing, YouTube, Instagram, start doing it every single day. Every single day. I think the thing about doing that consistency of doing it every day, the, the part about... Uh, the working for free and doing internships as far as i'm concerned okay when when my kids go to work whatever industry they want to work in don't worry okay we i'll pay you to go work there all right i'll pay your expenses okay go in and work for free because if you go and offer your services for free in a company i'm pretty sure that if you do a really good job someone might say to you after six months you know what will allow you to make the tea and photocopy the, the, the documents and that's your starting point on the journey 100% man and I, and I agree I think interns are amazing what, what, and, and, and to flip it I don't like companies who take interns and use them abuse and use where they know that they're getting great work out of an intern without any any uh, intention of ever hiring them so I'm always I always like to be upfront with an intern so if I feel like there is a possible future there I'll always be like hey there is a there is a end to this where we will employ you we believe in you right there, there is that so that's one thing that i that i always make sure i don't like seeing interns having to work for two or three years and then because if you're an intern and you're two years in and you don't have a job leave right get out of that get out of that because you're not going to get it at the end of it 
Agreed. Chris, I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom, your story, your journey with us. Honestly, it truly has been a pleasure chatting to you today. You are everything I expected you to be and 10 times more. So I'm incredibly grateful for you to take the time. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure, mate. Spence, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm only at the beginning of this journey, man. I've got to, let's catch up again in, in a couple of years and see where we're at right now, because this is only the beginning. I, I hope it's only the beginning. And uh, especially throughout these times, if anyone's watching this or looking at it, now is the most perfect time to grab those extra skills, guys. Do what you've got to do. Don't be afraid. Don't feel intimidated. Don't allow people to talk down to you and feel like you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. Set those dreams high. I know it sounds cliche, but you will get there. You will get there. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. The amazing Chris Fade on the Spencer Lodge podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did putting this together. Check out Chris on Virgin Radio if you don't already. Go and listen to him. He's got loads of fun stuff going on his show every morning. You can phone in. You can cause chaos. You can join the chaos and have some fun with him. And there's also some great prizes they offer too. So go check it out. And if you're not, okay, eating that healthy stuff from Fade Fit Kids, you'll find it everywhere. Every Friday morning I go hiking out in I stop at the petrol station with my buddy Laura. We pick up some of those lovely those protein balls, I think they're called, or whatever they are, and we get to take them on our journey. So go check it out. You'll see it wherever you go. Okay, there's a great little cartoon caption of Chris out there that you'll be able to see on the front cover of those products. Go check it out. I'll see you soon, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you very much for joining the show. Thank you.